Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are sharing our recent interview on the Composed Living Podcast with host Elsa Albert, who speaks on the art of intentional living. Elsa is the founder and CEO of Composed Living, a Los Angeles-based professional organizing company that helps people transform their cluttered homes to beautifully organized spaces. For Elsa, she not only helps her clients create a sense of calm in their spaces, but she helps them understand their emotional clutter blocks so that they can learn the tools to maintain their spaces. And together we discuss the benefits of decluttering, the habits you need to maintain them, and how to manage everyday distractions to help you keep on track. Plus, we share some of the most challenging parts about maintaining a minimalist lifestyle, including managing marketer messages and unlearning social expectations and norms. And we also reinforce how the minimalist lifestyle gives us time back and how this newfound space challenges us to be more intentional with how we spend our time and helps us reconnect with ourselves, our partners, and nature. Be inspired to live well with less. Hi, welcome to another episode of Compose Living with Elsa Albert. That's me, I'm Elsa. Thanks for listening today. Um, my guests for today are Lauren Morley and Kelly Foss. Uh, they are two millennials from Canada on a mission to live more with less. They are the hosts of the wildly popular podcast, The Millennial Minimalist, where they have one-on-one discussions about their journey with minimalism and living with intention, in addition to interviews with minimalist thought leaders and best-selling authors in the personal development space. I've been following their journey since their beginning five years ago, and I'm such a huge fan. And thank you both so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to finally meet both of you, even though it's over Zoom. And welcome. Thank you so much. I, I'm I'm so impressed that you've been listening since the beginning. That makes me so happy. <laughs> I, I love mean, it. I love this topic so much, and I feel like it resonates so much with me as a person, but also with what we do at Compose Living. And so it makes me so happy that there's like two other people in the world who are trying to educate other people on how to do more with less, live better with less. I love that expression. I saw on your website that you help your listeners compose the life of their dreams and not just in their homes, but in their personal lives and their professional lives. And I was like, yeah, we are so aligned. (laughs) That's our focus with the podcast is to help people design a better lifestyle for them, a more intentional lifestyle. And one of the best ways to do so is to start by clearing the excess things. And that is whether it's external or internal. There's a lot of excess in both places in our lives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I feel like that is very much what we focus on with Composed Living. And we start obviously with the home space, but with the intention and the understanding that when you're clearing out your home, and you start to experience what that feels like, like the freedom of having less things around you, I think that that starts to translate to what happens internally. And we start to look at all areas of our lives through that lens of like, what can I simplify here? What can I let go of to make room for something that's so much more meaningful? I love it. The beauty of minimalism is that, you know, once you start getting rid of that stuff and being more intentional about what you're bringing in your life, it trickles over into all other areas from where you're spending your time and your money and your thoughts. And it's just beautiful. It really goes into every single area. 
Yeah, I think that's probably one of the areas where our clients get a little bit stuck is like, I don't want to be a minimalist. Like I'll never be able to achieve this. Uh, They get like so scared that by hiring an organizer, we're going to be like, throw everything away. (laughs) You have to live with nothing. (laughs) Like That's not what this is about at all. And also like there is a scale. I think I was just listening to, uh, I don't remember which of you said it, but like the scale of minimalism. And our goal is not to make you like live without things that are meaningful to you. Our goal is to help you find more meaning in the things that you own and and to feel comfortable and wonderful in your own space. And also so many of our clients are like not in any danger of becoming minimalists, even after we've helped them to <laughs> declutter. <laughs> I think the term minimalism, it people think it's so extreme. Like you, you're just wearing a black t-shirt and jeans. You like live in an empty place. Like yeah. minimalism is so much more than that. Like minimalism is owning what you need and what you use on a daily basis. And You know, I think that what Kelly and I bring to minimalism is that you can have this beautiful life and, you know, travel and dress up and cook and decorate and have hobbies while still owning significantly less stuff. So there's just so many misconceptions around the lifestyle that you can't own anything. But if you teach people how to own what they actually need, they'll realize how much they don't need. So yeah, beauty of it. And what a big time saver. You know, if you think about how much time is spent in acquiring, in caring for, in cleaning, in storing the un like the subconscious of your brain just like keeping track of all of these things all of the time, what happens to your anxiety levels, to your mental space and your physical space when you're not surrounded by stuff that you don't need. It's so remarkable. And I mean, I certainly have, we live in quite a big space because we have a large family. And so it's my challenge is like, I want to make the house feel cozy, but without like acquiring things that we don't need. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So that's always a fun game and like a fun balance. And, you know, I think like we have a lot of house plants. We will, if we travel, we'll collect like a beautiful piece of art um, so that it feels meaningful and serves a purpose in our home. But I'm definitely guilty of having way more kitchen stuff than I actually need. (laughs) (laughs) It's those what if items really that get to you. You mentioned that your clients often have difficulties around letting go of a lot of things. And in the process of running this podcast and interviewing different thought leaders in the space, I've come to realize it's because it's related to an emotional attachment. There's an emotional issue there. We recently interviewed Tracy McCubbin. She actually owns a decluttering company in the LA area. She has a comp- she has a book called Making Space Clutter Free. And she talks about how we have emotional clutter blocks and emotional clutter magnets that, that keep us from letting go of certain things. And so it's understanding those things. So sometimes people think, oh, you know, the first thing I need to do is get rid of the excess clutter, the physical things in my home. But that's not actually for everyone. Sometimes you can use the inside out approach. So start with the inner clutter. And Light Watkins, he's a great author who wrote a book called Travel Light. He says that we should use the inside out approach to figuring out, hey, like, what is our why? What are the things that are keeping us attached to all this excess in our lives? So by working through our thoughts, 
we can start there and then go into the second stage of, hey, what should I get rid of? What's not aligned with my mission and and my goals in my life? So it's really uncovering that why. And I'm curious if you have a, a certain stage or a few steps that you go through with your clients to ask them, hey, like, what is your why? What is your goal? What is your mission? What is your purpose in the space before we start decluttering and organizing? Yeah, absolutely. And you said that so succinctly, like it truly is a more lasting approach, I think, when you understand why you're doing what you're doing and what your end goal is. And so this is something that we talk about with our team quite often is like, there's going to be clients who don't want to learn and that's fine. Uh, Maybe they just need a quick fix so that they feel temporarily better. That's not our dream client, but we're happy to help them. Our dream is that we attract the clients who actually want to affect change in their lives. They're looking to learn. They're looking for us not to have to come back uh, because they will have understood. They'll have understood how they came to own what they own. And then they'll be able to make those behavior changes so that they can sustain on their own. Mm Um, we just phrase it differently. We talk about people's values and aligning your home and your lifestyle to your core values. And we're so lucky, like most of our clients love this approach where we first figure out like, what is it that you want your home to feel like? What feels off to you? And what is it that you're trying to accomplish in your life and in your home? Like what if your core value is sustainability and everything you're buying is from like a big box store that's like not intended to last for a lifetime, then you're not living in line with your values. And so just helping people to remember throughout the process of going through their home, like, is this actually in line with what you're trying to accomplish or not? And I think that's what helps us to work through those blocks when they reach the point where it's like, I don't know, but what if I need that one day? It's like, okay, let's Mm -hmm. go back to where we started this day. And remember like the emotion you want to feel when you come home or the, you know, the values that you're trying to make seen in the space all around you. And then re-ask yourself that question, you know, like, do you need this bridesmaid's dress from the nineties or whatever the thing is? We find some real fun stuff in people's homes. Oh, I can imagine. And I, I feel like when people gravitate towards minimalism or they're interested in it, it either comes from a place where they're like, I'm so overwhelmed and stressed in my life that I I need to do something differently. Like this is not working for me. Or they have something that they want to do or accomplish, whether that's like a hobby or a career change, and they need to make the time and space to do that and figure out how that's going to look in their life or or both. But, you know, I, I, I'm always interested in like why people want to explore this lifestyle and their like goals and their whys behind it. And it, it makes me so happy that this lifestyle is surfacing and becoming so much more popular because I think for so long, people are just so unaware of what their stuff does to them, like mentally, physically, like the time it takes, the money, the energy. And, you know, if you think if you have like a problem or you're stressed out, you're probably not going to be like, oh, well, it's because my front hall closet's a mess. Well, you're probably going to be like, oh, it's work or it's my friend or it's, you know, my mentality towards things. It's like, yeah, but, you know, looking at your home might be a good place to start. Yeah. And it's what that is always my first reaction. If I feel overwhelmed by anything that's happening in life, 
that's my first impulse. I'm like, what can I clean out? What can I look at? Like what areas of my life are becoming congested and where can I let more energy in? And it's also like, it's such an extremely self-soothing behavior for me, but I don't, it's like over the years I've seen, I mean, we've been at, so today's our seven year anniversary and you know, we've worked with hundreds and hundreds of clients over the last seven years. And when you see the volume of things that come out of people's homes that they no longer need or want, that are still in perfect working condition and can be used by another person, that to me is overwhelming. Um, And those items in the beginning, they used to come back to my garage. And then as the business grew, it was like, we'd walk into my garage and it was like, I can't, like, I can't look at this. It gives me Like, I just, I don't feel good. I don't feel, even though it's not mine and I know that it's leaving, it still was so emotionally overwhelming for me to be surrounded by so much stuff. This is actually how it came to be that we started a nonprofit called Composed Giving. And so we take all of those donations that come from people's homes and we repurpose them back into the community for free. Uh, So instead of dropping off at a thrift store, which I love shopping at thrift stores, but like if you're someone who maybe is struggling financially, then you can't always afford to even go shopping at a secondhand place. And so we find those people through a huge network that we've built over the last seven years. And we try to make sure everything is given a new home by someone who needs it and will use it. And then also minimizing what ends up in a landfill. But even that process now ends. So now everything goes to our new, our retail space and headquarters. And it's just hard. Like as the business grows, so does the volume of things that cross our paths. And all of that to say, like my behavior has changed so much just by witnessing what other people go through and their transformations. You know, like you'll have someone who's just like weeping at the end of the day. Like I had no Mm. idea that I could feel like this in my home or I feel so much lighter. I feel like a burden has been lifted to the point where like I have such a difficult time walking into a store with the intention of buying something for myself. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I don't want anything. I don't want gifts. I don't want, unless it's like flowers or a bottle of wine, beautiful, but it really has changed my behavior. I think so much about what I would be doing to myself if I brought in something new. And yeah, that's, I was joking before because I was like, this room is empty. It looks like there's stuff maybe (laughs) behind me, but there used to be a sofa here and then I repurposed it to our living room and this is my husband's office and I was like well what do you need you like all you need is your computer you're fine (laughs) I love hearing about your experiences with your clients and it seems like working with them in their spaces you help them figure out what's essential and what's non-essential and I can only imagine the feeling that you gain, the helper's high that you gain after you hear their story of how much they feel so much lighter and more calm and and maybe they have more clarity in their life because of it. And and maybe they have more clarity in other areas of your life. I'm super curious. Like, do, I'm yeah. sure that they've expressed themselves that, hey, when I go to the store, I'm less likely to impulse buy because I know I don't want this excess stuff in my home. I know that this is not going to yeah. make me happy. And this is something that Lauren and I talk about often in the podcast. You know, there's behaviors outside of the home. <laughs> But once you have that internal mission inside of you, once you gain that minimalist mindset, that simple thinking, you start to realize, okay, I can apply this to all the other areas of my life. And especially when it comes to my habits with shopping, 
a lot of people have difficulty with that. You know, it's you yeah. know, Gretchen Rubin, she wrote a book called Out of Order in Our Calm, and she talks about how, you know, it's it's not a bargain if you don't need or want it, right? But we see a bargain and we feel inclined to buy it because it's on sale. And my mom growing up, she'd always be like, oh, it's on sale. I got six, six of X. And I was like, well, did you need six? She goes, no, I didn't need six, but I yeah. I wanted but to buy it cheap. anyways. Yeah, exactly. They were cheap and I got a sale. And, you know, when you buy things on sale, you kind of get a high. You're like, wow, I got a huge deal. Yeah, we truly just don't need as much stuff as we think we do. But we, especially in the States, I feel like the culture is very much that your worth, your status, your success is all attached to physical belongings. Um, And I'm so happy to see now and also like being very intentional about the community that we seek out more and more people are defining success as like happiness or a state of contentment, like things that are not associated with either a career success or some sort of a a monetary gain or, you know, a physical belonging. It's a really, it's a nice shift. I think, you know, there's still so much work to be done so that it becomes more of like a full on cultural shift, but it makes me so happy. Um, And yeah, our clients, like they'll call me and say, I was about to buy this thing. And then I heard your voice in my head and I put it back and I feel so good about myself. Yes. Love that. Love that. Or we'll go back and work with a client like to do some touch-ups or maybe something changed in their lives and they need help with something different. And it's just, I love those moments where they're like, I heard your voice in my head and then I made a different choice. And uh, it's so satisfying to me. I'm like, that's it. That's why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. I love it. I hope in the future, instead of what do you do? It's like, are you happy? Are you calm? Yeah. It's like, yeah. I'm jealous of that person. They're so well rested and content <laughs> instead of they're so successful or they have this car. So we're yeah. definitely, there's definitely a huge shift going on and it's, it's beautiful to see. I was interviewing one of our clients. Her name is Kristen. She's also a therapist here in Los Angeles. And we were talking about like, how can you check in on someone without or like meet someone, let's say at a dinner party, and get to know them as a person without inquiring first about what they do for work. (laughs) It's like such Mm -hmm. a commonplace thing where it's like, hi, oh, what do you do? Or if it's a woman, then it's like, oh, do you have kids? Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I don't want that's not going to help me understand who you are. It'll just help me like define your status in society, I guess. Uh, but we were like, maybe we should just approach people and be like, how does it feel to be you? (laughs) (laughs) I I do think with work though, like, you know, there's lucky people out there who are doing things that they absolutely love. And, you know, if you strike up that conversation, they might have really interesting jobs or or do something they're really passionate about. And you can have a in-depth conversation, not necessarily a judgmental one, but unfortunately we we are that's just the way our society works is we we do judge people on what they do yeah i was listening to one of my favorite podcasts last night it's um the happiness lab by dr Lori santos mm-hmm. i'm sure you're familiar with her she teaches the yeah, happiness yeah a happiness course at yale that just went just became viral like everyone was talking about it because it's so interesting and her studies have proven that the less we own the happier we are and Lauren and I are living and breathing that. 
the less we have, the happier we are, the better communicators we are with our partners and the better we are at planning our calendars and not overwhelming ourselves. Of course, this lifestyle is imperfect, perfect. So sometimes we do overwhelm ourselves, but it's that minimalist mindset. It goes back to that again. You just remind yourself, okay, simplify, simplify. I want to slow down. It's okay. Don't, don't feel the pressure to always be working. Rest is so important. And I mean rest, like the power of doing nothing, not just resting and scrolling at the same time. And Lauren and I yeah. really learned the value in that and the value in also managing distractions because we live in such a noisy word, world today. Yeah, absolutely. How did you two get started on this lifestyle, on this podcast? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so really cool story. So Lauren and I, we've been friends since 2014 when we met. I was actually looking for an apartment. Lauren's in real estate. So that's how we originally met. And when I, I'll never forget the first day I went to her apartment. Her apartment was so minimal, so intentional. It looked like she just moved in and we always <laughs> joke about that. And I was going through a lifestyle transition, a career transition. And funny enough, so was Lauren. And so we took a trip to Italy and we realized that we had a shared passion for simplicity. I was realizing all the benefits of starting to declutter my home, which was inspired by Lauren. You know, a lot of learned behaviors from my childhood have all this excess stuff in your home that you really don't need. And as I was peeling back the layers by getting rid of this stuff, I started to have more clarity, especially internally, you know, giving me that direction, helping me listen to my thoughts and realize, hey, what is my inner voice saying? What is the direction that I really should go in? And so I would say that clarity is like the number one thing that both Lauren and I have gained because we've been able to take the risks in our careers to go in directions that are most passionate to us. Like Lauren loves comedy. So she's pursuing comedy. I love writing and producing. So I'm producing, I'm pursuing this podcast. And so, and Lauren loves closet decluttering. So she has closet decluttering courses. So there's all these wonderful things that have come with living this lifestyle. And again, yeah, we're five years in now, which is awesome. What do you think has been for each of you the most difficult aspect if there has been one? Oh, I'm going to let you start, Kelly. I have to think okay. about this one. <laughs> I think the most challenging part is that you're living an unconventional life because we live in this environment that says more is better, more is better. And I'm continually rejecting those, those conversations, you know, whether it's coming from the media or my small networks in the city, there's a way of living. You know, you're supposed to get married, you're supposed to have kids, you're supposed to work that safe job. And that's all wonderful. But for me, I wasn't comfortable in a, a, a traditional corporate role. I wanted to always do something, pursue something on my own. And this lifestyle has given me the clarity and the confidence to pursue my greatest ambitions. And I would say wow. that my goal and my mission with the podcast and minimalism, it's not to help people clear the excess from their homes. It's to help people clear the excess noise so that they can listen to their inner voice and actually live closer to their values and pursue the things that really light them up inside. Like that's the best thing in the world. Like when you help your clients and they feel so lit up, that's why you do what you do, right? Like that's the best part of it. That's the best part of the job. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, for sure. And to go off Kelly, I I do think it was the it's difficult living this lifestyle because people do judge you. Like, you know, Kelly made that joke. People would if they ever saw my condo, they'd be like, Oh, did you just move in? And I lived there for five years. And I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, because <laughs> it's just, you know, you, you live differently and people think it's weird or they think minimalism is extreme. And I, I've always kind of lived like this. Like even when I was a kid, I my desk, I only had the one pen. I had one thing on my Christmas list. Like I was just a very simple child. I loved simplicity always. And I, I just was embarrassed about it. I remember going shopping with my friends at points in my life and I, I wasn't, I was pretending to look at stuff because I'm like, I don't want to buy anything. I don't need anything. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you're, you're kind of going against the way other people live and then you, you feel like an outcast. So for sure. I, another thing I, I want to mention is that I think with minimalism, the people don't realize is once you do this, you get back so much time. Like, and you kind of have to figure out what you're going to do with that time. You're not going to be cleaning and organizing and shopping and doing all of these things. And you may not even have to work as much if you're not spending as much money. So, you know, you might be left staring out the window trying to figure out. And then all of a sudden, all of these things in your life that you never thought about are, it's like, do I like my job? Like, am I happy in my relationship? Am I happy in my friendship? Like all of these things surface. So, you know, it, it, there's a lot to minimalism that you almost have to be prepared for because this is going to come once you're not just wandering around a mall trying to buy stuff you don't need. I think that's such a, a really valid point. And it's the same with, you know, like as we're helping people to declutter their homes I always tell them that's like the first layer of the decluttering process. And after that becomes about relationships, about obligations, about your calendar, your phone. Like there's so much more that we can look at after our physical belongings are not what's overwhelming us. And you do kind of need to be prepared for that emotionally, that those things are going to come up. And honestly, like that's, I can see how that would be a little bit scary, I guess, but also that's like why we're here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's the best thing. What's going on inside of us. And like, let's find ways to reconnect with nature and to have closer, more intimate relationships Mm -hmm. um, with ourselves, with our partners, with our family and friends. Um, That's certainly my goal in life. And before we started recording, I shared, you know, my vision for this next year is sort of simplify and I still need to find the second word, but I really want to streamline what it is that I'm doing in all areas of my life across the business, across my personal life. I want to do less, but do what we're doing extraordinarily well. And so focusing on like, you know, even like marketing, it just, it gets so overwhelming to me. I took um, the last two weeks, I traveled to New York and then to Austin under the guise of working, but Really, I have so many of my closest girlfriends live in those two cities. And so I took the podcast on the road and we recorded some episodes there. But, you know, I got to spend nine days with like some of my very closest girlfriends, all one-on-one and all in like meaningful chunks of time where we could really connect. And I was like, that's what I want to be doing more of. Like I want to spend more quality time with people and less like, you know, nonsense time (laughs) with everything in my life. I love it. It seems like you simplified your life and you've been able to step back and realize that it's those experiences that are most meaningful to you, you know, with your friends and you're, you're now at a place where you're saying, Oh, I can step back and analyze my career. And maybe 
add on something, maybe do something else on top of what I'm doing. Maybe there's some space there. A lot of people don't make the time for that. And going off what Lauren said, this lifestyle really challenges you to face yourself and listen to your own thoughts. We live in a world where people just continually succumb to distractions to avoid themselves, to avoid those voices in their heads. And I'm not going to lie. I was one of those people at one point. I would have the podcast on 24-7, especially during COVID, because it's like there's someone else in the room room with me. And yeah. it just avoided, it made, helped me avoid just listening to my own thoughts and my own pressures on myself. So that's another, like it, all the advantages with coming with space and clarity, that's all great. But the maintenance piece can also be very challenging. You know, Lauren and I will hop on a call with each other. We'll talk through things together because sometimes we're not very nice to ourselves. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And we always say, oh, my gosh, could you imagine if we didn't live simply? This would be this would be overwhelming. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's it's yeah, it's about intentional living, but it's also about maintaining as well. Like it's it's mm-hmm. not it's not easy, but it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Absolutely. And same, you know, for organizing, that's the thing is like, it's a daily practice. It's not a one and done Mm -hmm. thing. Uh, And, you know, if I didn't, if I was not in the habit of always returning things to their home, or of, you know, clearing off the kitchen counter every night before I go to bed, then it's not going to happen. And it's going to get worse and worse every day. And then it becomes a whole thing. So it truly is like, understanding why you're doing what you're doing and then building those habits and then maintaining those habits. But that's the whole idea of like structure creating freedom, right? You're using minimalism as the structure of your life. Like these are the rules that we're going to follow because it gives us this incredible freedom to have a life that is more meaningful, Mm -hmm. a wonderful, wonderful practice. But yeah, I came back from that trip and used nothing in my one carry-on bag, which is how it is every time. And I was cracking up because I just heard um, the episode on travel and like how you should just be traveling with a backpack because that's all you really need. But then people would look at you and be like, what's happening here? (laughs) That's not enough enough stuff for you to take. But my husband and I crack up because at this point, I'm like, we could just share one carry-on bag between the two of us for a two-week vacation. Uh, but you know, we just end up putting more stuff in there because there's space and I have the bag. So why not? But then I come home and I'm like, no, actually this trip, I came home and I donated one of the shirts I brought. I was like, I'm never going to wear this. I'm not going to wear it in my house. And I didn't want to wear it on this trip. I just don't need to own this. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Oh, that's so great that you said that. I'm actually going on a trip for uh, seven days tomorrow. And oh, my challenge is, is to bring everything that I'm actually going to use. So we'll see if it works out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait to hear how that goes. I don't think I have ever used every single thing that I've packed on a trip. I think most people would say the same thing. Yeah. Including yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And I notice what it is like, I because I will wash something like in the shower and hang dry it so that I can wear it again. And I did that twice on this trip. And then Mm -hmm. when I got to Austin and I was staying with a girlfriend who had like a house with a washing machine, then I was like, I'm just going to wash the clothes because I don't want to wear the ones that I haven't worn yet. (laughs) I only want to wear what I've already worn. And then I was Uh like, you should have just only packed these things and it would have been so much nicer. I went on a trip with my friend a couple of months ago and she's like, don't forget your passport. I'm like, I'm a minimalist. All I'm bringing is my passport. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I don't need anything else. Yeah, I don't need anything. Uh, I think it's how this is like how my whole family is. Uh, And I never really thought about it in that way. But 
you know, my mom, when we were growing up, she would have like two outfits and that was it. She would just wear them over and over and over again. And we were like, that's so weird. But now like, as we got older, because I wouldn't say that I really like appreciated the simple lifestyle, maybe as a teenager, I was always very organized and very tidy, but I loved having like beautiful things in, in my room. And shopping. Like I love going shopping with, you know, girlfriends or my parents would drop us off at the mall and kind of cruise around. And and that was how we spent our summers. And so we always thought it was like, why don't you just go buy something else, mom? Like you have money, you can do this. Like you don't need to be so like scarcity mindset. And she was like, I don't need anything else. And now our whole family is like that. My brothers come visit from Europe and they truly show up with just a backpack and they'll have like the pair of pants that they're wearing and maybe one other pair if they need something like dressier and then one or two shirts, a couple pairs of socks. They use the same pair of shoes for all occasions. Uh, yeah. And a toothbrush. So yeah. easy. It's so easy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, it's so easy to be a guy, but it's also easy to be like, it it's could also be easy, easy to be a girl. girl. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, my favorite when traveling, like a pair of black pants and like one or two t-shirts. Great. And then dresses, like they fold up so small, you can wear it over and over and over again. They're so comfortable. That's like my, you know, my wardrobe is like a couple of black dresses, (laughs) like two white t-shirts, two black Mm -hmm. Mm t-shirts. It's not very exciting, but it's very functional and I like it. I think we live in this culture as well, by the way, that continually tells us to keep adding adding, 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 you know, our to-do list. We should do this and this and this and this. Even when it comes to packing, it's like, oh, you should have this and this and this, but do you really need that? Are you really going to go out more than two times? You really need three dresses. You got to ask yourself those questions while you're packing. So I'm looking forward to my packing <laughs> experience tonight and tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to ask myself those, those hard questions, but also just generally in life, I find that I'm stacking on, like I, I use time blocking in my schedule. So I block every hour out. So that I feel like I'm being intentional with my days. But sometimes I'm like, I'm overpacking my days at times. And I'm like, hey, what can I stop doing? So we are always adding on to do's and we should have a list that says stop doing. You know, it'd be amazing yeah. if you could go to a store and find, you know, one of those pads of papers that said stop doing. That'd be incredible. Yeah. <laughs> what can I stop Although doing? You rather don't than, need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather than, do. oh, you know, your to do list, you know, your to not do list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, It's one of my favorite ways to start the day is looking at everything I have scheduled for today and what's coming up in the week and then just marking things as complete. Like it's done. Mm-hmm. It's I completed it in my mind. It's never going to happen. And I don't even want to look at it again. And that so that was one of my biggest takeaways coming back from this trip was how much I felt renewed by only hanging out with girlfriends, by oh. not working, by not talking about work other than the pot, but the podcast doesn't work. It's like just having conversations with people who I think are interesting. You know, they just happen to be recorded. And then I came back and looked at my emails and there were so many emails from our head of marketing, from our office manager. And it was all just like, can you approve this? Look at this. What do you think of this design? What do you think about doing something for Black Friday? What do you think about doing something for this? And I just (laughs) responded and was like, this is too overwhelming for me. I don't have the capacity to respond to all of this, nor do I have the desire. I don't want to add anything else to my plate. And maybe it would be a responsible business owner choice to like market for Black Friday and Giving Tuesday and Small Business Saturday and all of these things. 
but I don't want to. So I'm not going to. Like that's the end of the conversation. We don't have to do everything that society tells us that we have to. And like, I don't want to encourage people to buy shit on Black Friday. That's not in line with my values. And I don't want to encourage other people to make that one of their values. Small Business Saturday, wonderful. But also, it feels like it's too much for me to think of a whole marketing plan around that at this point in time. And especially like this is my favorite time of year because we get to slow down. Like it's now societally accepted that this will be a slower season. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I look forward to it so much. Like winter is my absolute favorite. Like the wintering of the soul, the wintering of the planet. I love everything taking a rest and a pause so that you can gain strength and like come back into the next season with purpose and with passion. So now I'm I'm becoming fiercely protective of my schedule and what I say yes to and the ideas that I am willing to collaborate with other people on. <laughs> and it feels good. It feels really good to just say, no, enough is enough. Yeah. I watched this girl's YouTube channel. Her name's Jennifer L. Scott. And one piece of advice she gave me that I've used for so long is to put things in your schedule or on your to-do list that you want to do. Like go to a bookstore, get a massage, watch a movie, like go for a walk, meet with a friend for coffee. Like our to-do lists are just like endless tasks that we have to do. Whereas like being intentional about working in those things that we enjoy through the day and that we want to do and making sure that we make time for them. Absolutely. My brother gave me the same piece of advice years ago, which I've tried to stick to. He's a very thoughtful person. He's a yoga instructor. He lives at his yoga retreat center. And he does such a great job of curating a life that is filled with purpose and pleasure and wellness and also work. And he told me when he starts his day and like writes out what he's going to do, he makes sure his three biggest focuses are that there's one thing for work, one thing for health, and one thing for fun. Yeah, and that's, that's what it. Kelly does. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's so do. great. But that's it truly awesome. it like changes the way that you think about your life and your day mm-hmm. and allows for play. And it, and it's so important that we take care of our bodies. And I think very often that's the one thing that falls to the wayside the fastest where it's like, oh, I don't have time. So I'm going to skip exercise or I'll skip meditation, whatever it is that you're doing for wellness in lieu of like, how many more tasks can I do today? (laughs) It's wild. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting because you mentioned this time of year, it's one of those times where it's like society says you can slow down. It's okay. And I, I find that really interesting. I completely agree. I'm like, oh, wow, it's so much easier this time of year. But what's great about this lifestyle is it challenges you to make that time for idleness and for leisure throughout the year, no matter what time of year it is. So it's that balance. And a lot of my friends in the corporate world are like, September, you know, it's grinding, grinding, grinding. And then come the holidays, it's easy breezy. Then in January, it's got to grind. Then in the summer, it gets a little bit easier. (laughs) And just like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing if you could be a little bit more in control of that? And you could tell yourself, hey, I need to slow down. And there are people in a busy corporate environment that actually make that time through whether that's meditation or making time for their friends, you know, using some type of time management system to help them have that greater focus that they can get work done in X number of hours, less hours than more hours. It goes back to you wanting to work better, work smarter, not harder, and have more time for balance in your life. 
it's unfortunate that we live in a society where it's like, oh, collectively, we're allowed to slow down now, but we can't slow down throughout the year. But slowing down is so important. We interviewed a lady named Celeste Headley, who has a book called Do Nothing, and she talks about idleness in detail and why it's so important and why it's so important to make time to not just do nothing, but also make time for leisure, to have fun, to laugh with friends and be yourself and actually, you know, you know, yeah. find yourself. You find yourself by being alone, but also being around interesting people. Absolutely. I could not agree more. My husband and I go on a semi-silent retreat every year. It's hosted at a monastery here in the high desert. And it is a time that I hold so sacred. Like this is my, it's like, I tell everybody that joins us on the retreat. I'm like, I save up all of my therapy for this like one week. (laughs) And then (laughs) this is my time where I just like connect and, and we talk about things that are important to us and we learn so much and and we grow. It's so nice. But this happened this past September. One of the topics that came up was the difference between leisure and play. And play is like, let's go to a baseball game and we'll have a beer and like a hot dog. And it's this fun event where leisure would be like reading a book by a lake. And the difference in what happens to your body, to your mind is so like one is still stimulating. It's still, it's not restful and it's not restorative while it has its value. Absolutely. Like play is so important. Leisure is where we reconnect. It's where we unwind. It's where we start to feel more at peace. When Chad and I talked about this, it was like this puts into words why we feel the way we feel when we come home from a vacation. Because we've been coming home and we're like, I am exhausted. I still feel mentally overwhelmed. I don't feel like I rested. And then we look at those vacations and it's like, yeah, well, when every single day you're like, we're running here, we're going there, we're exploring this thing, we're seeing a museum, it's all play. And it's all fun, but there was never a scheduled moment of like, let's sit together today and do nothing. Like we're in Paris, let's get a picnic blanket and just like take a nap in this park or read or share a bottle of wine and just chat. Like we don't need to be like in the Louvre, you know? And it just, it resonated with both of us so much where we were like, wow, we have scheduled so much play thinking that we're doing ourselves a favor but it wasn't working. Now it's working. Now we schedule leisure time, not playtime. Both leisure time, playtime. <laughs> I, I love that you defined each side because I think a lot of people just work and play and work and play. And they're like, well, play is my rest. Like I'm like working all day and then I'm seeing my friends tonight. That's my rest. But you know, the way you define that, we we don't see it that way. Like we or it, it it shouldn't be that way, like going home and watching a movie or reading a book or taking a bath. That's rest after work. Yeah. And even for yeah. me, like kind of watching a movie at the end of the night. I mean, sometimes, yes. Like if it's just me, I'll take my laptop upstairs and be like, this feels like a luxury. Like yeah. <laughs> I get to choose. I'm not compromising on what I want to watch. It's like I'm super comfy. But we might we have such a habit uh, that we're slowly getting out of of like, okay, you come home, you open a bottle of wine, you turn on the TV, we watch something, we go to bed. And again, like that doesn't feel like connection to me. It doesn't feel like we're unwinding together necessarily. It feels like separate but together, I guess. But not in the same way that like if we lit a candle and like had a glass of wine and we're just like talking or playing cards or something. So we're slowly getting better at at changing that routine so that that feels more restful and more like leisure, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
I would say that Lauren is the master at leisure. I actually really look up to Lauren and how she makes time to just take a slow morning. She has this morning routine that is slow. She'll maybe do a workout. She has her coffee. She reads a book and she just takes it slowly. She's never rushed. Every time we go on vacation together, Lauren's always ready. She's always on time, very punctual, and she's not scattered. She's just, yep, I got it. Packing was easy. I mean, you know, she's the master of closet decluttering. So her closet's perfect. She's like, I got my outfits. I'm good. I'm ready to go. And I just like, it's because you make time for that leisure, Lauren. You make time to disconnect. She also makes time for distractions. I think we mentioned that in the recent episodes. She's like, hey, I'm not going to succumb to these distractions during the day. I'm just going to give my time. I'm going to give myself time at the end of the day to get back to everyone, to watch YouTube, et cetera. And I also love the fact that even with you, Lauren, like you don't even get back to me via text as quickly as most people would, because you're like, I'm, it's not urgent. And I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I respect that. Yeah. I have to like every morning I wake up, I make an espresso and I just sit and read for at least 30 minutes. Like I, I have to start my day that way. I used to just, you know, get up and work out and start work and hit the ground running. And one time I was on a trip and I had a cup of coffee and read and I was like, I'm going to do this every day for the rest of my life because <laughs> it just like l slowly lets me start the day off in that sense of calm and peace. So no, I, I like value my leisure time more than anything I need it I, to regain my energy or else I'm just like, I can't do anything. I'm exhausted. Yeah. I this is another boundary that I hold very near and dear to my heart is my mornings. And it takes me a very long time to be ready to face the rest of the world. I'm like, it's multiple yeah. hours that I need before I can talk to someone <laughs> other than That's Chad. True. But I'm very introverted, like truly. In, and I think maybe like introversion, extroversion gets misused or is like generally misunderstood sometimes. So when I say that I am an introvert, I mean that my soul recharges when I'm alone. It does not mean I'm shy or I have a hard time being around other people, but that gives me too frantic of an energy. And I come home feeling all like buzzy and way too wound up. And I only come back to feeling at peace and like who I am at my core when I've been able to be alone for some time. And so by nature of what I do for work, I mean, I have a team of 15 employees and we have client interactions and social media. We have the podcast. Like there's, and then there's six people who live in our house too. So there's that constant interaction with others. I also do a lot of like networking. We host events and it's all fun. I love all of it. But if I'd started my day by talking to someone else or jumping right into work, I wouldn't last very long. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I get like this morning, I woke up at six and I had my hot water with lemon, which is a habit I'm trying to rebuild, <laughs> like to start the day that way before I have a coffee. And I sit, I will either journal or meditate or read or just stare out the window. The dogs come and sit next to me. I have like my fuzzy slippers. Um, um, now we have, mm -hmm. you know, the tree lights up and it gives such a cozy ambiance. But I can't do, it's like, I need that for so long in the morning before I'm ready to go do anything else. Like even going to take a walk. <laughs> it's great sure. that you recognize that and you make time for that. You're like, mornings, I need to be, I need to be slower in the means. I can't just get up and grind. No. <laughs> like for me, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I can be a morning person, but I'm really not. I prefer the evenings. Lauren's the true morning person, which I envy. I want to be that again. 
but uh, I just, I'm so awake at the, at the end of the day, Lauren's like, I'm so tired. And it's so funny in the beginning of recording our podcast together, we always record in Lauren's house and we'd always record after work because we both had full-time jobs at the time in 2018 when we started. And Lauren was just like, can we do it in midday or mornings? And I was like, yeah, why? no worries. Like I had no problem with that. It's just, and then we started doing early mornings and I was like, Lauren really doesn't work for me. So then we found yeah. noon was our best hour. Lunchtime. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. This is a good, yeah. like nine or 10 is a good time for me to like officially start my day. But even like I'm working out with um, a girlfriend of mine who's a trainer and she knows like if my session with her has to be at 8 a.m., I'm like, girl, I am still asleep. <laughs> like oh. This body has only been awake for two hours. It's not enough. <laughs> like, you know, I need like a full hour with my coffee and nothingness. Then I need a full hour of like, now I'm moving around. Then I can start doing something. But yeah, my energy is just not, it's not there mentally or physically right when I get up. My husband, exact opposite. He pops out of bed. He could just put on his running shoes and go knock out a 10K. Wow. Like, wow. I don't understand how your legs even like move. Move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally get that. Oh man. It's been so nice chatting with both of you. Thank you again so much for, for making the time and for all of the work that you're doing to help people live their lives more intentionally. I think it's such a beautiful path that you're on and I appreciate it so much. How can people connect with you? What's the best way if they want to be in touch? Yeah, so they can find us on social media at Millennial Minimalists on Instagram and Facebook. And you can learn more about Lauren and I on our website at mastersimplicity.com. And there you can find a link to our closet decluttering courses that Lauren leads. Uh, she helps people declutter their closets and also build outfits so that the decision making every morning is very, very easy. Yeah, if people are interested, you know, we always say minimalism, a great place to start is in your closet. So I really teach people how to wear their entire wardrobe, piece together outfits, be able to get ready quickly, efficiently, you know, look nice every day with minimal effort and to really stop shopping. Like, you know, when a lot of people are buying up to 68 items a year, there's some stats with my course, you're only really purchasing a few items a year if necessary. So it's really honing in on what you need to invest and what you actually need, figuring out the clothes you need, figuring out how many and looking and feeling your best every day. You know, not like Kelly said, not having that decision fatigue in the morning, being able to get up and get dressed. Um, we have a decluttering e-guide and yeah. And I do one-on-one -on -one coaching too, if people wanted a very tailored approach to their closet, if they have a very specific needs. I think that's awesome. We'll definitely spread the word. I love the idea of a capsule wardrobe. And I think this is probably one of the biggest challenges that people experience in their closet. So I think that's such a cool offering. And we'll definitely share that with our clients too. Do you help like do you have favorite stores or like make recommendations of where to get like the key pieces that they need or you leave that kind of up to their style and budget and just sort of advise? So I actually don't do a capsule wardrobe. I tried the capsule wardrobe. It did not work for me. I am just really about outfits, creating beautiful outfits that you can wear in rotation. And 
yeah, I, I work within people's budget and within their style, really figuring out their own style, where they work. Some people work in corporate environments. Some people work from home. Some people are new moms. Like, you know, our life, lifestyles change, our wardrobes change, our needs change, our styles change. So really figuring out what they want as a style and their goals and then what they actually need and finding those pieces for them and making it so easy to get ready in the morning and wearing their entire closet. Oh, what a dream. I love that. <laughs> and I should awesome. add that we actually recently had a webinar with some of our listeners. We just had people from around the world join and ask us their simple living questions. And it was so nice. Like Laura yeah. and I were like, wow, that sense of community, people from around the world. And you could see friendships being made as we're on Zoom with all these people around the world. And it was just a genuine laid back conversation about excess things and living simply and being in a virtual room with everybody that has the same mindset. It felt really, really good. And we want to do more of those as well. And yeah, we'll keep that's awesome. Posted. Yeah. Yeah. I would absolutely join in on that. I think that's such a fun way to connect with like-minded people. And, you know, I love the idea of people just being able to ask you questions and it's mm -hmm. so sweet that they're curious and, and they're looking to you for guidance and they're wanting to change their experience of life. It's so awesome. And I know I shared before, but I'm like such a huge fan of both of you. And thank you. Uh, when I asked Adriana to reach out, I was like, there's no way they're too busy. They're too famous. Wow. <laughs> You're very like famous in my world because it's like, you know, it's very aspirational. And so in line with, with how I'm trying to live and, and model for other people too. So it just means the world to me. And congratulations on all of your success and wishing you many more years of a beautiful, intentional life. Likewise, so and we'll much. definitely send you a line when we're in the LA area. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let okay, us know bye. if you're ever in Toronto. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this casual laid back conversation about intentional living with professional organizer, CEO, and podcaster, Elsa Albert. And we hope that our discussion has left you feeling inspired to cultivate healthier habits and be more intentional in your everyday. And if you enjoyed this episode, please send us a line on Instagram or Facebook or share this episode in a story and tag both Elsa at composed underscore living and us at millennial minimalist. And as always, you can learn more about us, our closet decluttering e-guide, and our one-on-one -on -one closet decluttering courses with Lauren on our website at mastersimplicity.com. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to write us a kind rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're a fan of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. So thanks again for listening, and we will speak with you soon. Bye-bye.